I've got something to share. Yes, definitely I've got something to share. But this time is going to be a bit different. I really need your participation, each one of you. Uh, if Brother Terence, if you can help me with the reading. Amen. Good. Okay. Amen. Amen. So there, it's going to be like a reflection. In Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 1 and 3, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. I felt this was prophetic, and this was the last scripture that came to me yesterday night, and I felt that it is very crucial for all of us. God has assigned us for a certain place, for a certain season, for a certain purpose. And it is so important. You know, he could have just got one person to do everything. But no, God is so different. For each season, he find, I don't know about you, but he moves me. He moves me from place to place, from different uh people. So to the extent, I call myself a missionary. Even now, after so many years, I'm back in Malaysia. I'm not back to the people that I used to be with, completely different. And most of them are foreigners. So it's like, so you'll find yourself that you're put or thrown into a situation or a place where it could be different so i want as you as every scripture that we read in fact brother darren from here on he will read and every scripture that we read together what we are going to do is reflect the scripture and ask ourselves even for me what is god telling me what do i see about god in this scriptures he's going to speak to each one of us in a very unique way special way and especially this scripture is an eye-opener when we say amen your way sometimes we think okay i must change my lifestyle i might it's more than that it can be deeper my thoughts the way i do things the way i do ministry the way i approach people everything there's going to be a major renovation and i i urge each one of you including myself the lord is telling don't don't miss out chira don't miss out and he's going to speak to each one of us in a very special and deep way amen am i with you okay at the background is a bit noisy because i'm in my bedroom amen. So, I to, so bear with me yes okay because early morning so people are getting ready to go to school and all that okay the first first part is the king's unfaithfulness so we are going to touch on several kings and only the key verses so um so brother can you read this yes i can so this is a, a chapter talking about king jehoiakim 
from 2 Kings 24, 47. Because of the innocent blood that he had shed, for he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon. Now, the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Jehoiakim rested with his fathers. Then Jehoiakim, his son, reigned in his place. And the king of Egypt did not come out of his land anymore. For the king of Babylon had taken all that belonged to the king of Egypt uh, from the brook of Egypt to the river of Euphrates. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Nehushta, the daughter of Elnathan of Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done. This is the next king, mm -hmm. his son. Jehoiachin. Okay. So the names, uh, <laughs> I got Jehoiachin, Jehoiachin, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father had done. And he is only 18. How wickedness has come. Second King 24, 10 to 12. At that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up to Jerusalem and, and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to the city while his servants were besieging it. And Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, gave himself up to the king of Babylon, himself and his mother and his servants and his officials and his palace officials. The king of Babylon took him prisoner in the eighth year of his reign. And 2 Kings 24, 13 to 15, and carried off all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold in the temple of the Lord, which Solomon, king of Israel, had made as the Lord had foretold. He carried away all Jerusalem and all the officials and all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and the smiths, none remained except the poorest people of the land. And he carried away Jehoiachin to Babylon, the king's mother, the king's wives, his officials, and the chief men of the land he took into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. Just take, take a moment to reflect this. You know, sometimes you find that everything is going fine. And suddenly, you know, you are so comfortable with your lifestyle, with your habits, with the way you, you run your ministry, the way you run your family, the way we even manage our finance and everything is fine. And suddenly you find it's carried away. It's carried away. You know, the treasures here, it says that carried off all the treasures of the house of the Lord. Interesting, and the first thing is taken is everything that belongs to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we find that our relationship with the Lord is so dry suddenly, you know, and everything, doors have shut for ministry, everything. You know? And then here, the treasures of the king's house, your personal savings, everything is run dry. 
sometimes you feel that way or you are put in a situation and here this first 14 carried away all all jerusalem it's like all your friends all your mm. connection all your is taken away and not only that jehochin jehochin was carried away also his mother his wife his officials and this is something very personal chaos in the family chaos in the marriage the person you love so much it was so like-minded but suddenly it's like you cannot connect there are consequences and there are blessings i'm going to just wait a while here and let us meditate am i in this situation ask yourself am i in this situation second kings 24 16 to 17 and the king of babylon brought captives to babylon all the men of valor seven thousand and the craftsmen and the metal workers one thousand all of them strong and fit for war and the king of babylon and the king of babylon made uh mataniah jehoiachin's uncle king in his place and changed his name to zedekiah okay i hope i need to focus here here it says all of all the men of valor seven thousand and the craftsmen and the men battle workers one thousand of all of them strong and fit for war you know this sounds like your armor bearers if you're in ministry your prayer warriors you know those who are supporting you in the ministry or even your if 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 not ministry your personal maybe you have retired but you have, you are leaning on people to help you to carry on you know or your partners in your business suddenly you know for 20 years or 30 years you're going fine progressing and suddenly everything is falling apart those who are strong those who are like-minded with you and then not only that but the greatest blow is you are removed here jeho jeho chin's uncle took the place the position second chronicles 36 verses 11 to 14. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, his God. He did not humble himself before Jer Jeremiah, the prophet, who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who, made, who had made him swear by God. He, he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord the God of Israel. All the officers of the priest and the people likewise were exceedingly un unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations. And they polluted the house of the Lord that he had made holy in Jerusalem. This is the third king, and he did the same thing. Mm -hmm. Why they went into exile? 
Hedekiah, okay? First, he did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Second, he did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet. You know, every, in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, you find that God allocates some certain people to prophesy, to guide you, to help you. You know, sometimes we are so caught up with our daily routines, yeah. but as God always sends the voice, the voice of God to come and direct us. And, and, and we need to take heed and hear that voice. Yeah. Especially when we are so busy and we don't have our quiet time. Sometimes we find even how, how much of quiet time is good to have someone or few, one or two, a circle of, a uh, close circle of people who you can turn to for counsel yes. and prayer. Yes. It's important. But here, he, he did not humble himself. And that's a scary position. It's not a good position. Mm. And the third thing, he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. And then the fourth point, he stiffened his neck. He was so stubborn. So stubborn. I used to be so stubborn. And I'm not saying I'm now an angel. No, there are times I'm stubborn. I'm adamant. I want it. I want it. You know? And then... I find myself God knocking me down or people will just knock me down. And then when I go at his feet, when I'm praying, I'll be first murmuring and complaining, Lord, Lord, what all this, then the Lord will say, no, it's your fault because you're stiff neck. And the fifth one, he hardened his heart against turning to God refuse to turn to God. And I wanted to touch on this very important. Sometimes we think hardening his heart is that, okay, I'm worshipping other idols. I'm not following his laws. No. This hurts and pain can grow into a strong wall covering our heart. And we, there's no more passion. There's no more desire or yielding to love him, love God the way we used to, or even everything becomes functional, not relational. Mm. And that's a scary situation because where there's bitterness, the spirit of God will not be able to freely flow because we put a barrier. Initially, I went through that. You know, it's like so much of betrayal, so much of hurt, so much of disappointment. And when I go down to prayer, and the Lord says, forgive and guard your heart. And then what I do, I went to the other extreme. I locked myself in the little closet. I said, okay, nobody's going to hurt me. <laughs> you know, and sometimes the online uh, ministry is the safest place because they are distance and just one, two hours I'll meet them and I can be the sweetest and they will be the sweetest and that's it. After that, there's no need for me to contact. Mm. 
but God, God sees through us yeah. and he doesn't give up on that. And ponder on this, is my heart, heart is there strings of bitterness, thorns of bitterness, or is there a thick wall of bitterness? And the sixth one, all the officers of the princes and the people unfaithful to God, following all the abomination of the nation. That means we compromise. Malaysia is a multiracial country, multicultural, multi-religion. You know, even in among my cluster of family, we have Muslims, we have Hindu, we have Christian. And recently I found out they we they we have even the Freemasons. And so scary. But here, when we turn to the Lord, we stand by Him. Okay? So these are the uh, six things that, that is said here. Why they went into exile. Sometimes this could be less for us. It could be more for us. There may be other things that cost us into exile. Exile here is not that, oh, I'm no more. I'm, the doors for my church are shut. No, sometimes we are faithfully going to church. We are faithfully in the prayer altar. We are faithfully in this kind of ministry. But spiritually, there's a distance between God and us. And you know what? In all the Second Chronicles 36, 15 to 16, the Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. Wow, this is a strong word. Even today, the message here is not to condemn each any one of us here. The message here is to say that God is compassionate. God is saying, come out, come out, come out, Chira, come out, Terrence, come out, Debbie, come out, come out, each and every one. Don't be comfortable, they're small. And not only that, the beautiful part is said, because of his dwelling place, because we are his dwelling place, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But they kept mocking the messenger of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of God rose against his people until there was no remedy. Today's message is not about what the people in the world is doing, but today's message is about you and I. Based on this, what is the first reflection? What does this tell you about God, this particular scripture? You can share.
what it says to me is it does show God's compassion for his people and how, you know, they keep over and over and over again, you know, and it's just like us, you know, I know in my own walk, you know, there's days when I'm really on fire for God and I'm just trying to do everything I can do that I think he wants me to do. And then there's other days when it's like, you know, I just, I, it's not that I don't think about God, but it's just, there's just days that I'm just, I just kind of want to tune out, you know, I just want, but yet he, he doesn't, he doesn't cast me out because of that. He just loves me a little bit more. So I see a great, I, see, I just see the compassion in him. First of all, what, what a blessing that this message is for me, because um, if, I can, if I can be very honest, I've, I've been going through a very dry season um, in my life, especially uh, uh, moving from Georgia to Maryland. Um, it's just been a lot of trials, you know, a, a lot of things that have happened to really shaken my mind. And, you know, God will reveal to you your heart, whether you like it or not, but he will reveal it to you. Um, the real question there is how you react to what he has shown you. And there are one of two ways to react is not be stiff-necked and act in pride, but humble ourselves, contrary to what Jehoiachin Chin did, um, to humble yourself and accept what God has shown you and and truly repent. It, it, in a sense, if that if that messenger of God has given you the word of God according to the scripture, and and you scoff it and you reject it, you you, you know it. This passage is so clear that we are really making a mockery of God. Um, because I believe there is a passage in the Bible that talks about how, you know, if you reject the messengers of God, you have rejected God. I don't remember what that passage is, but I will, I'll search it and, and send and, and, and share it in the platform. So if, if that person is a true messenger of God and you reject that message, you've essentially rejected God. And that, that, that is powerful. That is powerful. And, um, I'm just grateful that, you know, at the end of the day, um, as you say, um, Pastor Shira, God is merciful. And he knows the struggles that we go through on a day-to-day -day basis. And I believe that God knows my own struggles. And that is why he's still giving me his breath of life to attend um, this Bible study session so that I can see the error of my ways and and repent and and see God genuinely and faithfully not just lip service, but really, really loving God the way he has loved me. Amen. Amen. You know what? What I notice about verse 15 is that he persistently sends a messenger. That means that clearly tells us that he doesn't give up on us. That tells us how special we are. You know, sometimes what we will say, ah, yeah, what is this? Everybody is picking on me or everybody is on me, <laughs> you know? No, that is, that shows how much God cares. God, and that shows that there's something in us that is so important. We are so special. And he does this not because he wants to kill, steal and destroy 
our joy. No, he wants us to bring that full and real joy in us, the full and real peace in us that the world cannot give. Why do I say that? Because in the verse 15, he said, he had compassion on his people. And, he, and today, if this word is coming, God is reminding each one of us, including me, I love you, says the Lord, with an everlasting love. Like what he said, brother, you know, even just there's a change, change. Uh, I thought, okay, in Malaysia, I sort of learned the culture. I sort of know when I first came back, I found that I couldn't fit in into my own country. After 15 years away, you know, I couldn't fit in. And then I started getting used to the culture and all the stuff and all that. But at the same time, God is saying I should not get stuck into the culture. I keep, I'm sent here on a mission back to my own country in that sense. So there, there's a renovation happening in our mind, in our heart, when God takes us to a different place, a different work, a different kind of people. So maybe that's more than just the repentance, the renovation needs to happen. Something to think about, you know. I, I had this dream about I'm going on a journey, waiting for the, uh, the that time I'm not a pastor yet. I'm on training, and uh, and uh, I'm waiting at the train station, and then I had so many luggages, and then what happened is I wanted to go to the washroom. I could have gone to the washroom ahead, but at that right time where it's few minutes before the train is about to come, I went to the washroom and I came out. The train has passed the train station. It's, it's, so what I did is I carried all my bag luggages and I'm running, running towards the train. And, and the luggages keep falling and I keep picking it up and I, I, I told myself, no, I must not miss this train. It's so important, this journey is so important. But at the same time, I'm holding the luggages and his, and these luggages are holding me back. And for my surprise, I saw someone running next to me. The pastor of that ministry also was running. He missed the train too. And then I was so sad. I couldn't because with the luggage, I couldn't run and I missed the train completely. And I was crying and crying. Lord, why did I miss the train? Why did you let the train miss me? And it took a long time. Not months, not weeks. Few years to discover. You should have just let go of the languages. That slowed you down. Sometimes we call languages baggage. And baggage is too many. It could be good baggage or garbage baggage. It's not easy for me to share this. But I'm sharing this is because God has compassion. Compassion. And he 
doesn't want to give up on you, each one of us, including me. I'm not in a pedestal. It was not easy message. That's why God had to give this message more than a month back. He took me on a journey and he still did. I, in fact, just before the service, I was a bit late. I said, Lord, you know, no, I haven't reached that mark to stand today and share. But the Lord said, we are all on a journey. And that's why we need him more than anything. That's why we need God. That's why we need him. If we have missed, uh, if, we, if we have reached the mark, then we don't have to be on earth. We can be with him already. But I'm not saying also, therefore, let's go on compromising. No, because verse 16, it says, there will come a time there's no remedy. So now, again, this question, what now this time is, what does this passage tell you about God from the beginning till so far? The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Uh, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this land. I mean, if there is anything that this passage says to says about God, as God is very concerned with holiness and righteousness. And at the end of the day, God is the one who controls who dwells in any place at any point in time. And I'm seeing here that his criteria to dwell in a land that he gives you is to keep that land pure by your ways and your deeds. Because your ways and your deeds will defile a land. And if a land be defiled, God cannot be there. And so when God is calling on Israel to amend their ways, I believe God is seeing how their ways are destroying the land. I mean, it's similar to what God told Israel when he promised them all these lands that he was going to drive the Hittites, the Jebusites, all the ites that Pastor Savior likes to talk about and that we read in the Bible. God said that he was driving them from that land so that they will go and purify that land by their acts of righteousness. And here we are, Israel is in a state of rebellion against God, thereby defiling the land. And when I see that, I see a principle of who God is in essence. If you, as if, if we as a nation continue to defile the land, what is what cannot be avoided is God taking us off from that land or take, like, like driving us away from that land because of our acts of disobedience. And so I see how God is really, I mean, the, the, the big picture is that his people are in a particular place to cleanse that place. That's one of the purposes of his people. When he puts, that's why I see Christianity uh, uh, with, with, to, the, to a certain degree, we've lost our power because we are not living righteously such that the spirit of God can dwell not only in us, but it can be, that means the power of God can just engulf us such that whenever we come across any person who represents the kingdom of darkness, that power is weakened. 
So, but because we've not operated in the power of God, darkness permeates. And so therefore we are seeing that because of our lack of operating in the power of God, because of our conduct, we are allowing forces of darkness to take precedence in the land which we live in that God gave us, especially America, a blessed nation as such as this, how we are allowing so much debauchery to take over the land um, uh, because I, I don't think we're living in, 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 the, in the power that God has really given us. And so when I see this, I see God really concerned with us living righteously because it has a bigger implication in the land which we live in. Amen. You know, just now we saw the kings, how unfaithful they were. No, they were given a position. They misused the position. They lost everything. And, you know, this beautiful part is Daniel and his friends, because the king misused their position, they were, they all went into exile, Daniel and his friends. But in that, they were faithful. Daniel's faithfulness. Daniel 1, 3 to 5. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief Enoch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learn, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank that he drank. They were to they were to be educated for three years and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. And Daniel 1, 6-7. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the Enoch's gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wines that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the Enoch to, to allow him to, to not defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chiefs of the Enoch. At the end of 10 days, in, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. Here, Daniel was faithful. You know, he, he didn't want to compromise, as you can see in verse 8. Daniel revolved that he would not defile himself. Probably they may, you know, the, the king's food, there may be a lot of non-kosher food. So, and he wanted to follow the laws. So that's why he didn't want to defile himself and didn't want to take uh, uh, any partake of those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So, and guess what? In verse 9, God gave Daniel favor and mm -hmm. compassion. 
And that is very crucial for you and I. The first one was favor and compassion. Now, let's read the next one. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skills in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And the king spoke with them, and among all them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding, about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that, that were in all his kingdom. Okay, so here, number two, God gave them learning and skills in all literature and wisdom. This is specifically God gave what the king was looking for. So that means they can find favor with the king, right? And here, the, the kind of wisdom that God gave is not the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom that comes from heaven. So the wisdom of the world is the knowledge that stays here. But the wisdom of God not doesn't just stay here, but it goes to the heart. It transforms them. So they stayed humble. They stayed loving. They stayed caring. They actually respected the king, but they had their stand of what they shouldn't do because they wanted to follow God. They still worship God. They didn't compromise on that. Amen. Amen. So this is the two things. First, the one, the, the first one was God gave Daniel favor and compassion. We need compassion from God and, and through us, compassion should flow. Mm -hmm. And the second one, God gave them learning and skills in all literature. And this only comes when we are sitting at his feet. Yes. A true relationship with the Lord. Actually, it's not just Bible study. Bible study is just surface. But our time with the Lord, alone with him, intimacy with him, that will really give us true understanding. And here he said, Daniel had visions and dreams. The last two uh, scriptures, passages about Daniel, on Daniel and his friends. What does this passage tell you about God? We all know what they had to go through. I mean, we've spoken about this in great lens. But I believe that, you know, most of us, when we go through these times, I am very guilty of that. That when we go through hardship, when we don't stand for God, oftentimes the results are damaging to to our spirit, even into our bodies. But here we are, we have young men who deny the king's food. And in those days, uh, what I understand, it was an offense to deny what the king gave you. I mean, you would almost be beheaded from, because the king looked at us as you belittle him, like, who do you think you are? I'm the king. What I give you should be the best. And you stand in your, who do you think you are, in a sense? So, but for them to stand boldly and deny the king's food and put God to the test, and say, let us just eat kosher food and see what the Lord will do. And God proved himself again to be God. Because he showed them that what he had commanded Israel to eat, 
it was perfectly good for Israel. And they saw the difference just in their physical appearance. And so when we are willing to stand for God in the most dying circumstances where we feel like if we say no, authorities will come against us and they will end our life. When we are doing it for God and standing for biblical principles, God will show himself to be faithful. I think the problem with our generation and many in our generation, which we don't condemn, we just speak what is facts, is that too many people just shy away or they 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 they, they, they act in fear and we don't want to stand for godly principles. What we are seeing in the Bible time and time again, when we leave in obedience to the word of God, he will show himself to be faithful. You have the backing of God himself. You will never be left you will never be put to shame for obeying God. You will never be, be, be mocked for obeying God, even if you are. But at the end, even the mockers and the scoffers will come to know that you are serving a living God. Amen. I was just thinking, no one ever talks about all of the people that were, um, what do you say, exiled. So it, it couldn't have been that there were just four young men from Israel that were exiled and brought to the king's court. So no one talks about the other people who came along with them who compromised. And I mean, so there's a, a definite of the separation of them being committed. And if you, if you, if, you know, no one talks about the other people, but clearly they stood out among their peers. And so it is a testimony for all of us to do our best to remain faithful. Yes, I do agree. The reason somehow others were not mentioned is because these people were like standing out, standing out, shining. You know, it's like when we are so quiet, we have been, a, you know, I think probably by now everybody knows that Brother Terrence and uh, Sister Shira is all the time, uh, you know, they are, and if one week we don't come, they'll know because we are the ones who are all the time talking, <laughs> you know, but, but at the same time, but there, I also noticed there is some of more than some in this group who are so deep in the Lord, but they're quiet. It doesn't mean just because I'm saying or I'm sharing today, I'm holier, no. But God is also saying, like how he gave favor and compassion for Daniel, not only for Daniel, for his friends, because of their faithfulness, he will do it for each one of us when we are faithful. I don't have to be so vocal, but he notices. That's the kind of God we have. Mm -hmm. He doesn't see whether we have a title, reverend, or pastor, or bishop, yes. or, yes. or uh, PhD, or DDD, or whatever, whatever. No, that's why he chose the shepherds. That's why he chose the fishermen. Yes. And the fishermen, if you read the Bible, not every disciple knew how to read. They could speak, but read it, but someone else to write. 
And First Corinthians, it says he uses the foolish. As for the four youths, God gave them learning and skills in literature. That means, uh, if they had it in them, there's no need for God to give them. So as much they were faithful, probably they didn't know they will have this, but they trusted God. And beyond God, Daniel had understanding in all vision and dreams. And his vision and dreams stays alive till today. We need it today. That's why we are able to walk through this time of probably in the last days. Wow. I don't think so. He, he knew that his life, his dreams will impact us till today. Probably he, maybe deep inside, I'm not sure, but probably deep inside, oh, it's only for Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, empire, and maybe all those he's going to link with. But today, the whole global, that vision, that dream was given by the Lord. Not his own understanding, not his own dreams, because he's, you know, like sometimes when we eat too much, we have, we have weird dreams and all that stuff. Or we go certain places and we have unhealthy dreams. But no, this was divinely from the Lord. Again, there is so much to be said. You know, one thing that came to my heart is that, you know, Sister Lewis really uh, alluded to it is that everybody else was not spoken about because those people bowed down to the to the statue but god made it a point in this story to make this four young men uh, to be different because it i think it really speaks to uh, the the verse in the bible that cautions all christians to come out from among them and be separate you know these were israelites these were these were israelites they were you know it's to say that even among our own people uh, we have if, if we if we want to be real about it even among our own people we need uh, there, there is a gospel that has been preached that does not does not reflect the true gospel of jesus christ that even among our own people we had to come out from among them because there is a lot of compromise even within the faith and so God makes it a point to point out these young men that they were observably different. Why? Because of the things they did based on their faith in God. They had faith in God, I tell you, and they were faithful to God. Not only did they have faith in him, but they were faithful to him as you, as you so shared with us, uh, Pastor Sharon. But you know, you said something earlier that, I mean, the Holy Spirit just gave me this verse. I have to go and search it real quick, which was in Acts chapter 4, uh, verses uh, 12 to 14. But I'm going to read from 13 and 14. It says, now, when they saw that, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were un, uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And that's the key. We just said, these young men, beautiful young men, were with God. God was with them and God provided. It's the same story with the disciples because the disciples were, were, were with Jesus. They knew their past, that they were fishermen, as you mentioned. But because they were with Jesus, Jesus provided the boldness that they now had to preach the gospel unashamedly and unafraid. 
And so that is the really key that we're learning from here is that we need to be with God enough to live in obedience to his word, to believe in his word, and to trust that he is faithful to come through for us in times of need. And I see that in this young man. When you are with Jesus, if you, it doesn't matter, you know, if, if your bachelor's, your master's, your PhD does not bring glory to God, it's like dunk to God. Amen. That's why God, like Pastor Shiro says, uses the the, 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 the foolish things that the things men consider foolish to confound the wise, you see, because God shows that through my wisdom, what you see to be foolish, I will make that thing shame your wisdom. And so that is what I see. And it's so beautiful, my brother. That's why, like, like today, when you were saying, I was, oh, Pastor Shira, thank you so much for putting that out. It's not that the office of a pastor should be demeaned. But no, is that in our society and in our culture, we have put them in such a pedestal. It's almost as if they take the place of Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, we must all humble ourselves before God and understand we are servants. And without God, none of the achievements we do in the kingdom is possible. And so I'm just amazed that God is the only ingredient we need in order to succeed in whatever he has called us to do. And when we walk in his presence, just like Moses, you know, who realized, and we say this often in our churches, like we don't, we want to be like Moses and say, God, if you do not go with me, I will not make a step, you know? And so when we understand how God, who God is to us, we understand it is only in him that we can be successful in everything that we do for the kingdom's sake. Amen. Today, God is speaking to each one of us. What are you going to do with all this message? What is God telling you to answer this question? You don't have to answer here. Ponder on the passage about the kings, about Daniel and his friends. What made the difference? And see God's character. The first one they failed to recognize. So God had to correct them. And he corrected them because he loved them, hoping that they will change. That's the freedom of choice we have. God gives us the freedom, but we must not misuse the freedom. So ponder on what are you going to do? And what is God telling you? The first question should be, what is God telling me? So for me, is what's what is God telling me, Shira? So put your name there. Don't think about what God is telling about the nation, the, the world, that country, Israel. No. Now it's about you because you and I sitting in this meeting. So God is speaking to you and I. I'd just like to say that I, I agree with Terrence and, and I, I agree that this was an on-time message because... When you look at the situations and the positions that we're in today, you know, we are in, we are, we are so close to being in exile <laughs> and we, if we're not already in exile, but we're also, you know, I think about where we are in our world today here in the United States and how things are and the choices that we have to make. And um, it would be so easy just to kind of slither along with the crowd and not, you know, not cause any, any upheaval. But at the same time, that's not what God's asking us to do. You know, God's asking us to take a stance. He's raising up his end time army. And that's not for us to hide in the corner. 
or to hide into the, like uh you know one of the kings like Saul hide in the suitcase it, it is <laughs> it is he wants us to stand up and stand out and that's why I agree with you Pastor Sheer. I think that's why he's he highlighted Daniel and Shadrach Meshach and Abednego because they were not bowing down they were standing up for him and that's what he's looking for and he's showing us how if you stand for him how he will provide and take care of you so thank you for the message Let's open our heart and uh, allow the Lord to touch us, or rather, let us allow ourselves to touch Him. He's always touching us, He's always reaching out. That is this time, like the women touching His garment, because we need healing. Let's not harden our hearts like the King. He hardened His heart. Let's not stiffen our neck be stubborn you know here god is reaching out to us because he's about our heart our soul our life and he's so concerned so let us be concerned about our life that will impact our families and definitely when each one of us are aligned it will definitely impact our nations father we praise you we thank you lord we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for telling us that you have compassion for us, that you love us so much that you have not given up hope on us. And thank you, Lord, for reminding us that we need to be aligned to you. Especially, Lord, I pray for those who have hurts and pain disappointment and frustration, Lord, that they are not able to let it go. Let your healing grace flow, Lord. Let them give us the grace and strength to touch you, Lord, touch your garment to receive that healing. Father, for those who are confused and need direction, Lord, open the eyes of their understanding Help them to see like Daniel and, their, and the friends, even though they were in exile, they saw that you were with them. They saw that there was opportunity that you led them into the so-called wilderness for a purpose and a reason. The Lord is saying, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil. For he is with you, his rod and his staff will comfort you. But for us to know that, we need to know that he is our shepherd. The shepherd who laid his life for us. Father, we thank you. Bless them and keep them all, each one of us, under your wings. For you are our refuge and our strength. And may your countenance be seen upon each one of us so that others will know that we are your children. And may you shine in us and through us so that we can walk in the truth and, and that we will know that your presence go before us. And may your peace reign in our hearts and in the families of everyone here. 
Thank you, Lord. We give you all glory, honor, and praise. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.